Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. Psalm 46 and verse 1. If there's anything impossible you're facing today, your answer is not with men. Because Jesus said, with men, there are many things that are impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible to him that believes. The Bible says in Luke chapter 1 and verse 37, the angel told Mary, you're going to have a child. She said, angel, I've never known a man. I've never had intimacy with a man. How am I going to have a child? And the Lord by his angel replied, the power of the Holy Ghost, hallelujah, the power of the Holy Ghost will come upon you. And what is not humanly possible will take place because of God's Spirit on the inside of you. And she who had never slept with a man conceived by the Spirit of God. And the Bible says that he finished off his dialogue to Mary by saying, for with God all things are possible, or with God there is nothing that is impossible. Any impossible situation that you're facing today. The Bible says, Mark eleven twenty three. The Lord doesn't, Jesus didn't curse the fig tree because it was yielding no good fruit and then turned to his disciples when they saw it cursed at the root the next day. And when the disciples said, look, the, cur- the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Jesus didn't turn to them and say, yeah, but that's because I'm specially anointed. Uh, don't go ahead and try and do that on your own because let me tell you, nothing's impossible for me but there are many things that you're going to have a hard time with in life no Jesus told them if you have the faith of God if you'll look unto me you will say to this mountain be thou uprooted and cast into the midst of the sea and not doubting it shall come to pass it shall you will have what you say so Things that are facing you today. Things that are challenges in your life today. The things that are in opposition uh, to your advancement in life today. God's not asking you to just... The anointing of the Holy Spirit was not given to you to endure life's battles. The anointing was given to you to prevail in every battle of life. Paul told the Corinthian church, Now thanks be unto God who always leads us to triumph In all things. I want you to write that in the comment section. I'm anointed to triumph. I'm anointed to triumph. Who always. That doesn't tell you that there are seasons where you're going to have breakthrough. And then seasons where you're going to have to hold. You know tie your hat on because you're going to go through hell and back. No. Paul Paul said. He always leads us in triumph through our Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to tell you at the onset of this broadcast, whatever you're going through today, whether it be a bad doctor's report, whether it be a financial report, maybe they're telling you your business won't even make it by the end of the month. Maybe it's you're believing God for rent this month. Let me tell you, we serve a powerful God. His name is Jehovah Jireh. He's the Lord who provides for his children. And Paul said, no, the Bible says Philippians 419, my God shall supply all your needs. But I 
I'm going to show you today that when you look to man, man is limited in help. When you look to alternatives, those things are bound to fail. But you can never look to God and not prevail and have overwhelming victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And you're going to make it. Let me tell you, when Jesus told his disciples, we're, we're to go to the other side. As they were on their way in that boat, there was a storm, of a, a violent storm that arose that was seeking to take them off track, get them away from getting to the other side. But Jesus was asleep in the stern. But the disciples began to panic and they went to Jesus and said, don't you care that we're perishing? Isn't that the normal fleshly reaction when you, when you, you know, you think you're doing everything well and an opposition arises and then all of a sudden you just have to go to God in prayer and say, man, don't you care we're perishing? Let me tell you, God not only cared you're cared for you perishing he did something about it when he sent his only begotten son Jesus Christ to the cross to take nails in his hands piercings in his feet whips on his back and when he rose from the dead the Bible says he triumphed over the devil the grave and all of hell's cohorts and when Jesus hung on that cross step back a bit when he hung on that cross what did Jesus let let yell out what were his final words his final words were not it will be finished his final words were not this is not sufficient his final words were not you know it has yet to be finished his final words as he hung on that cross was it is finished it is finished the anointing gives you access into a struggle-free life that's not to mean there's not going to be storms that rise up against you but just like jesus you'll have power now to get up in that boat and address the storm hush be still and the storm will subside jesus is not comfort through the storm jesus is the obliterator of the storms of life and no matter the storm you're facing today no matter the egyptians that are on on their way trying to bring you back into Egyptian captivity and slavery, the Egyptians, the army, the devil, the demon harassing your life today, you will see no more. Because if God is for you, nothing can come against you and wipe you out. If you're, in, you're watching right now, and you'd really be a help if you just shared the broadcast and shared it a lot. This message has to get out because there are people that are lying in a hospital room that have nowhere to look. They're only just staring at that bad report. But tonight, I'm, I'm today, I'm going to do something where I'm going to I'm going to set your gaze off of the things that are temporal. Paul said, look not on the things which are temporal. Don't look on the things which are, 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 are seen because those things are up and down. You know, a doctor can give you a good report one day and a bad report the next day. But you are to look on the things which are unseen the eternal things Paul said said it this way we don't walk by sight we don't walk by what our eyes tell us we don't walk by what our feelings feel we don't walk by what our ears hear we don't walk by our senses we walk by the spirit of God we walk by faith and faith always points you to a good report for by faith the elders obtained a good report and that good report God doesn't just shine a good report in front of you just to get your hopes up only to have you drown in the in the waters of life no hallelujah Isaiah 43 says I am the Lord your God who called you I am here 
he who formed you in your mother's womb. I have redeemed you and you are mine and I am yours. Therefore, when you walk through the waters, I will be with you and they will not drown you. And through the streams, they'll not overflow you. And though you even go through the midst of fire, you will never be burnt because I, the Lord, am the mighty one and I'm in the midst of thee and ye shall be saved and taste and see that the Lord is good and that his mercy endures forever. Psalm 46. Hey, Nicola, Shana, Diane, God bless you guys. Psalm 46.1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Fear is rooted in zero confidence in God's ability to help. Faith is rooted in an absolute confidence that God's help is all the help I need. I want you to write that in the comment section. God's help is all the help I need. God's help is all the help I need. Why? Because if God can't do it for you, then nobody else will be able to accomplish it. If God can do it, let it remain undone. If God can give it to me, may I never have it. If God can give it to me, it doesn't exist. Because God, the Bible says, He opens up His hands and He, he satisfies the desires of every living being. So God's help is all the help I need. If God can help you, you're dead. There's nothing. What other help can you secure that will bring you through to the other side? Nothing else. He's the unlimited God. He's the, the Bible says in Revelations, John on the island of Patmos, when he had that, that his eyes open and he saw some things that he wrote down in a book. The Bible says when he, uh, he saw there was a scroll in God's hand. And he began to weep much because nobody was found worthy to loose the scroll and to, to take it out of God's head. But an, an angel cried out and said, John, weep not. Stop your weeping. Stop because he was weeping because, you know, <laughs> he thought there was nothing that was ever going to be done. There was no, the scroll would never be removed from the hand. And that scroll represented salvation. And if nobody can do that, then we'd never be saved. But then he, he kept on weeping. And an angel cried out and said, weep not, stop your weeping. Because the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed. He has prevailed. Because Christ has prevailed, our help is guaranteed. And if Jesus was able to break, if it was unable for the pangs of death, the chains of death to hold him down, but he broke free from that, then there's, death is like the final foe. Death is the greatest adversary of man. And if death itself couldn't hold Jesus down, then I'm telling you today, it doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter what your challenge is. Stop listening to the devil because the devil will amplify and magnify the severity of your situation but the Bible is great at diminishing the severity of what you're seeing and exalting and magnifying the greatness of our God that's why Psalms 46 starts off by saying God is our refuge and strength and a very present help in time of trouble that's right 
If God was a great help, but He wasn't present, we'd still be screwed. There'd be nothing we can... It wouldn't help us one bit. If God was a very... Bill Gates, as rich as he is, Jeff Bezos, he could have $200 billion in the bank. And if you're struggling financially today, he, and, but he doesn't know who you are, and he has no desire to help you. His help, as great of a help he can be, because he's not present, that help is superficial. That help does you no good. God is not only a great helper, the Bible notes that he is a very present help in times of trouble. The Bible is not written for times of peace. The Bible was not written for times of peace alone, where when everything's well and, 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 and everything's going nicely, you know, that's when I'll serve God. That's when God, you know, I'll thank God for his blessings and stuff. And that's when I'll keep my eyes fixed on him. But then the moment stuff starts to happen, that's when we start to look to alternatives. No, if there's one thing you can note down from Abraham, Isaac, Daniel, Elijah, Elisha, Isaiah, down through the New Testament apostles and Jesus himself, is that the Bible, the word of God is not a crutch to just get you through life and, and you know, ultimately just give you peace in the storm. No, the word of God is so designed so that in times of trouble, the Bible says you will laugh at famine and in days of trouble, you shall be satisfied. The Bible is a blueprint. It's a, it's a book of instruction that no matter what's going on around you, God always, there is no trouble that has overtaken you such as is common to men. But God is faithful. It's a catalog of God's faithfulness. It's a book of God's faithfulness. That just like Daniel, when he was thrown in the lion's den, the Bible says that he went to sleep in a lion's den. And when the king came and said, Daniel, has your God whom you serve able to deliver you? Daniel looked back, looked up and replied, my God whom I serve continually hath sent his angel. Let me tell you, when you're on the Lord's side, you see, you have to understand this. God's not on your side and God's not on anybody's side. God is on his side. That's why when Joshua saw that angel who had his sword drawn from his sheath. He asked him, are you on our side or are you on our, on our opposition side? He said, neither. I'm on the Lord's side. There is God's side and then everyone else's side. When you're on everyone else's side, it doesn't matter how much resources, doesn't matter how many strong people. David even said, the, the, the strength of a horse is a vain help in a day of trouble. It, it doesn't matter how much people you gather around you. If God is against you, you're a dead man. But on the flip side, it doesn't matter how many people gather against you. If God, if you're on the Lord's side and God is for you, then you're on the winning side and you are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. So you have... I want you to write that out too in the comment section. I'm on the Lord's side. I'm on God's side. I'm on God's side. Because God's side's the winning side. He's never lost a battle. He's the omnipotent one. The one who holds all power. He shut the mounds of lions in Daniel's den. And the Bible says that that all happened because God... Uh, because Daniel trusted in his God. So faith is what connects you to the help of God. That's why Jesus, when he went to his hometown of Nazareth, could do no mighty works there because of their unbelief. He wanted to do miracles. It's not like he had different plans for Nazareth. He there were people that were sick. 
that were terminally ill, he could do no mighty works there because of their unbelief. They didn't receive him. They didn't receive his help. When you refuse the help of God, when you slap that hand out of your way, there's nothing else that can be done. You're, getting, you're settling for frustration. You're settling for stagnation. You're settling for limitation. But when you accept, when you join your hand into the nail-scarred hand of Jesus, the Bible says He lifts you up out of the ash heap. He takes you up out of the dunghill and He seats you amongst the princes of His people. I see you getting out of that horrible pit today. I see God's helping hand reaching down to where you're at. Not giving you a pat on your back just to say, hear ye, hear ye. Just keep on keeping on. No. That helping hand, the Lord's arm is not shortened that it cannot save. That helping hand is lifting you up out of the miry clay and it's putting you on a rock today to stay whether the devil likes it or not. In Jesus' name. If you believe that, just put amen in the comment section. If you're just joining me now you'd be a great help if you if you share this broadcast psalm 46 let me just finish it therefore we will not fear so fear and insecurity is rooted in um, not being confident that god wants to help you or god can help you faith believes god can and god will bible says by faith abraham offered up isaac concluding that god was able to raise him from the dead so Abraham's faith rested on the conclusion he had already made in his heart that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. Therefore we will not fear. Though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and are troubled, though the mountains shake with its great swelling, because there's a river, that's the source of help, there's a river whose streams may glad the city of our God the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. Her is who? He's referring to Mount Zion. And the Bible says Zion is the church of God in prophecy. Hebrews 12, 23, I believe it is. We have all come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to an innumerable company of angels, to the spirit of just men made perfect in, in heaven, to the blood of a new covenant, which speaketh of better things than that of Abel's. We have come to Mount Zion. And the Bible says God is in the midst of Mount Zion. Therefore she will not be moved. For God shall help her at the break of down, at the break of dawn. I want to go through very briefly, and then we're going to pray. I want to go through, first and foremost, five reasons why you have to look up to God. Five reasons, five reasons, Strong reasons that you should look up to God to, uh, today. Number one is you need to look up to God because He's your help. He is your helper. Psalm 121. Let me read that. Psalm 121. Verse 1. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. I will lift up my eyes. So you have to look up. I will lift up my eyes. You remember when Jesus got to the tomb of Lazarus? The very first thing he did was he lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you always hear me. And then he commanded Lazarus' body to come forth. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence cometh my help? 
My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps Israel, he who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. That's something that when Elijah was on Mount Carmel and the, he had contested against the powers of darkness and the prophets of Baal rose up. They had 400 of them. And uh, there were 250 prophets of Ashtoreth, so 650 false prophets that were contending against Elijah. And Elijah said, you know, because Israel was confused. They had sold themselves over to idolatry. So Elijah said, the God who answers by fire, he'll be God. Let's prepare an, an altar and let's lay a sacrifice on it. And whoever answers by fire, that will be the God that we serve. And Israel agreed and the prophets agreed to it. So the prophets began to make their, their uh, altar. They laid stones. They did a nice fancy altar. And they laid their oxen on the altar. They slayed it, sacrificed it to their, to their God. And then they cried out. The Bible says, until noon. So all throughout the morning, several hours, they were crying out. But their God is a, an idol. They have eyes, but they can't see. They have ears, they can't hear. It's just a dead thing. And as long as they cried out, they didn't get any response, so they started to take stones and cut themselves with stones. And they started to shed their own blood, offering up their blood as a sacrifice. But still at that point, no fire fell. And you know what Elijah did? Elijah began to mock. Elijah began to mock them, saying, perhaps your God is sleeping. That's the thing. There are <laughs> other gods are unreliable because they don't, they don't even have power to help even if they wanted to because they're just fashioned in the mind of men. So Elijah mocked him. Perhaps he's sleeping. But the difference is with our God. Our God does not slumber nor sleep. He's not on some event, adventure somewhere where he can't help you right now. God is not some distant entity in the universe that we have to cry out and cut ourselves with stones. No, the Bible says we don't cut ourselves and shed our blood. Jesus himself came and shed his blood to help you. That where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and liberty. So God's not sleeping. God's not, he's the omnipresent one. Well, how can God help me in Nevada and then help me in Quebec? How could God help me in Africa and God, you know that God's not the God of Africa alone? That's why I can't stand people that say, well, how many of you know God's doing wonderful miracles in Africa and we can only hope that one day he'll do things like that here. There are, they have different faith over there in Africa. Yeah, they do. And that's why he's doing miracles there and not here. Because miracles aren't being taught in our pulpits today. The helping hand of God has not been taught in our pulpits today. Christianity has been reduced to just a coping mechanism through life. That, you know, life's hard. Things are going to happen. But you know what? God promised to be with you through it all. Well, what does God's presence mean for you? God's presence is not just a soothing presence, a comfort in life's storms. God's presence. The Bible says in Psalm 114, when the sea saw the presence of God, when the sea saw God, it split. When the, the Jordan saw God, it turned back. When the hills saw God and the mountains saw God, the Bible says they skipped like rams and they began to hop away like little lambs. God's help, God's presence is not just 
a soothing presence, giving you comfort. How many of you know he had peace through it all? No. God's presence is a delivering presence that no matter the obstacle before you, he goes before you, the Bible says, and he makes every crooked place straight, every rough path smooth, every mountain shall be leveled, and every valley shall be lifted up. That's why David could confidently state, the Lord is my shepherd, and as long as he goes before me, I'm never going to lack a thing in my life because God's hand is a helping hand and it's a providing hand doesn't matter what bill you have to pay by the end of this month I tell you if you're in covenant with God through your giving the money will come through not only enough for you but God's gonna overflow your wallet financially that you'll be blessed and you'll be able to be a blessing to those that are around you instead of asking God to pay your rent God's gonna empower you as you walk in covenant with him today God's gonna empower you to pay the rent of others in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Be all he who keeps Israel will never sleep nor slumber. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The Lord, the sun will not strike you by day. So that tells you God will help you in the day. And then I know there's so many people who come up to me and say, well, I have night terrors. I, man, it seems like throughout the day I'm happy and stuff. Then at night I have a hard time sleeping. Man, that's a word for someone here today. I feel that strongly. I, I know what the word of knowledge is and this is it. There's someone watching here right now. You, ha you have like a difficult, it's like during the day you're happy, you're good. And it's like the moment the sun goes down is when you feel de depression kicking, anxious thoughts racing, and you just feel like... You know, you just honestly, you turn on the TV until you can fall asleep, till your eyes just shut down by themselves. And you stay up till three, four in the morning and you have work at nine and you have to wake up at like eight. So you're only getting four hours of sleep. Let me tell you something. The Bible says, unless the Lord labors, they that labor, labor in vain. Unless the Lord keeps and watches the city, those who stay up late, late lay, lay, lay up late in vain. For he does give his beloved sleep. God is going to give you sleep. He'll not only not allow the sun to strike you by day, but the moon will no longer strike you by night. I tell you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says in Psalm 4, I lay down and I slept and the Lord sustained me. I lay down and I slept and the Lord sustained me. The Bible says he will keep in perfect peace those whose eyes are stayed on him. The Bible says that I will lie down and sleep in, in safety for the Lord will give me sweet peace. God's going to give you sweet peace from today in the name of Jesus Christ. And the best nights you ever had of sleeping and rest, God is going to like restore that whatever physical toll that's had on your body, God's going to restore your physical strength right now in Jesus' name. And if that's you, just lift your hands wherever you're at and receive that into your spirit today. The Lord will preserve you from all evil and he'll preserve your soul. Preservation. The Lord will preserve or guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. So why do you need to look up to God? Because that's where your help is. The Bible says that Peter was asked by Jesus, step out of the boat and come to me. And as he walked out of the boat, as long as he had his eyes on Jesus, 
The water didn't take him in. The laws of gravity were suspended and it's like the water became a concrete ground and he walked on the water. But the moment he took his eyes off of Jesus and he looked to the boisterous winds, that's when he began to sink. That's when the supernatural laws of God left him and the laws of nature resumed and he began to sink. But as long as he looked to Jesus as his help, he never sunk. You want to know something? Three times the Bible notes in the scriptures of someone crossing a body of water. In Israel, in the book of Exodus, they crossed the Red Sea. God parted the Red Sea for them to walk through. And by faith they did. In Elijah's day, actually four times. In Joshua's day, he did it through the Jordan. And then in Elijah's day, he took his mantle and struck the waters and the Jordan turned. And he walked through and Elisha did the same thing on the way back. But do you notice that when Jesus was faced with a body of water, he didn't part the sea to walk through. He walked over. And I feel that's a word for many of you today. God's not trying to get you through something. God's going to make you to walk over something so that you'll not even feel the effect of that thing. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They left the fiery furnace not even having the sign of smoke, the smell of smoke. Not a hair of their head was touched. I prophesy to you today, not a hair of your head will feel the effect of the heat that you're feeling right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are coming out. The Bible says he lifts us up out of the dunghill and he seats us amongst the princes of his people. You're not only going to quote that you're seated in heavenly places. From today onward, you're going to feel the effect of what it means to be seated far above principalities and powers in the name of Jesus Christ. So why do we look to God? Number one, because he's your help. Number two, because your future is with God. Josh, uh, Joseph had every reason to just quit his service to God. When he got sold into slavery. But instead of keeping his eyes on the dungeon that he was in. He kept his eyes fixed on the author and the perfecter of his faith. And as a result. He went from the prison to the palace in one day. The Bible says, until the word of the Lord came to pass. The word of the Lord tried Joseph. Tried Joseph. You got to stop seeing what you're going through. As a... Uh, I'm not talking about sickness or disease because that's demonic and satanic. But if you're going through a rough time, a boss, you need, you know, you, you, you have no job and you need money for the end of this month or whatnot. You're looking for a new job. You got laid off and all this. You have to stop looking at that as the demons of hell trying to like, you know, rip your money out of your wallet and whatnot and start looking at it as a, as a test. This is God testing me that as I'm just like Joseph, when he was in prison, he could, have, he could have complained. He could have shook his fist at God. He could have started to spread rumors about God. You know, my great-grandfather Abraham, he started to follow this God. Well, look where it's landed us. You know, he could have done everything. Been washed. They would have all died in the famine that hit Egypt. Nothing would, we would not be talking about Joseph today. But instead, the word of the Lord tried him, and he proved, the Bible says, as God tries me, I shall come forth as pure as gold. For he knows the way I should take. When you refuse to get discouraged and instead keep your eyes on him, he'll show you the way that you should take. 
The Bible says, Thou shalt hear a voice behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye therein. And when you follow God's leading, He never leads you backwards. God's leading always leads you forward, and you're going to reach your desired end in Jesus' name. You look up to God because He's your help. You look up to God because He's your future is with Him. Look at what happened to Joseph, second in command. The Egyptian king said, Inasmuch as God has shown you all things, there's nobody as wise as you, Joseph. Now here, take my signet ring, and my whole kingdom will be ruled by you. He was Egypt's unofficial king because he kept his eyes on God who dictated his future. Number three, you have to keep your eyes on God because direction is with God. I, I touched on that just now. The Bible says it's the Lord your God who teaches you to profit and leads you in the way that you should go. Bible says that we're not to go, we're not to function by trial and error. Life is not trial and error when you live in God's kingdom and in God's direction and in God's leading. You don't have to try things and hope they work out. You can secure divine wisdom by looking to Him today and God will give you a plan of action that is fail-proof. Proverbs 4, my son, if you'll listen to me, and keep my instructions. The Bible says, when you run, you will not stumble. When you walk, you will not grow weak. For the path of the just shines brighter and brighter. Jesus said that if you'll seek first my kingdom and my wisdom, everything else that you've been trying to get, direction for life, it'll be added to you. Do you ever see Jesus in, you know, he said that the, I do nothing on my own initiative, but only what I see God doing. So he operated by heavenly wisdom. Do you ever see Jesus in, a, in like a deadlock? Do you ever see him backed against the wall? No, John chapter six, the Bible says when he had 5,000 men to feed, not counting women and children, that's a lot of people. He, he turned to Philip and said, what are we going to do about it? But this, he said, testing Philip. For he himself knew what he would do. God is never at loss of words. God is never backed up into a corner. Let me tell you, 2020 might have caught you by surprise, but God hasn't been caught, in, caught, caught by surprise. And God's not scratching his head in heaven and saying, well, you know, I did reveal to them in January that uh, 2020 would be a great year, that I would bless them and increase them and that I would add unto them and... Man, I, didn't, I really didn't see this coronavirus coming on this earth. I, I guess we'll have to go another road. No, God didn't give you a word in January or whenever this year or last year for this year only to be sh shortcut by coronavirus and now he has to find another way. No, God knew exactly what he said in January when he told you that in your going in and your coming out, you will be blessed. God knew exactly that what 2020 would hold when he said in Deuteronomy 28 that if you'll diligently hearken unto my voice, it will come to pass. I'll set you high above all the nations of the earth. I will bless you when you're coming and I'll bless you when you're going. I'll bless you in the city and I'll bless you in the country. 
increase. Everything you do will be blessed. I'll command a blessing on your storehouse and your hands unto everything you, you put your hand to touch. It will be blessed. I'll cause your enemies to come, that they come up against you one way. I'll cause them to be defeated before your face and they'll be scattered seven ways. I'll bless you. You'll always be the head and never be the tail. I'll bless you so you're always above and never beneath. That's my God. That's right, Nicola. Higher and higher. Not higher and then coronavirus hit. And he said, no, you know what? I, I really didn't see this happen. No, God knew exactly what 2020 held. And there's a wisdom in God that when you look to him, you can still make, you can guarantee that 2020 is not a year of hell on earth, but like Deuteronomy 8 says, I will make it so that you will live your days on earth as days of heaven on earth. Hallelujah. Number four, you have to look to God because provision is with God. That woman of Zarephath was going to collect her last few sticks to prepare her last meal and then her and her children were going to die. But God sent Elijah. And the Bible says that Elijah had instructions from the Lord. I've provided. I've commanded a widow to provide for you, Elijah. So when he got to that widow, the first thing Elijah had to do to unlock a miracle in her life so that she wouldn't die in the famine was to get her eyes off of her limited resources and unto God's unlimited resources. So he told her, give me first a piece of cake and it will come to pass that when you do this, your, your bin of flour will never be used up and the jar of oil will never run dry. He had to get her eyes because the moment Elijah said, give me first a piece of cake, she immediately gave an excuse as to why she couldn't do it. And that's exactly when the tithes and offering, you know, preacher gets up to collect the offering. You could have the best revival meeting, literally have the dead rise from the dead and then come on and take up an offering at the end of that revival meeting. And it's like it went from a Holy Ghost tent meeting to like a Presbyterian funeral in one second's time. Why? Because people think that when the offering comes around, it's because, you know, you have to do your part. You know, we're all called to just sow whatever we can just to help the preacher out. No, the offering, see what Elijah did? Elijah didn't speak to her about his needs. You know, we're in a famine. God commanded you to provide for me, so you better give. Elijah speak, spoke to that widow that her giving would benefit her. So that's why when this is not taught, it's like heart, people don't want to give. Because they think that it's just the church trying to get a cut of your prosperity. No, it's not. First of all, everything you have in your hand belongs to God in the first place. Deuteronomy 8.18. It's the Lord your God who gives you power to create wealth. To establish His covenant with you. So God is not asking for your seed so He can eat more seed. He's asking you to give so that He can prove His covenant which is to give you power to create and multiply the wealth you have so you can be a greater blessing to your generation. So you have to know, whatever you're struggling to pay this month, provision is with God. That widow gave that first piece of cake, which, op which represented an offering of faith to Elijah. And when she did, the Bible says, her, her household, not only her and her kids, her, her children, and her household ate for the duration of that famine. You have to look to God today, even in the realm of your finances. I want you to understand something. I, I, 
I heard a preacher say this this last week, and it, it really struck us something in my spirit. When Moses was in Egypt contending with Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go, Pharaoh had no problem letting them go after like two or three tries. He said, you can go, but leave your ox, leave your flocks, leave your possessions, leave your wealth here in Egypt. You can serve God with your mouth, your time, but leave your wealth in Egypt. Why did he do that? Because the Israelites were under the affliction of Egyptian slavery. They were slaves financially to the Egyptian system in that day. And so Pharaoh knew, if I can keep their wealth here, I can still keep them bound to my economy. But Moses said, no. The Lord has commanded that we go everything included. When you got saved, you didn't get j just saved spirit, soul, and body, and then your wealth is like a separate thing. Your money is a separate thing. That we serve God, you know, I tithe my time and stuff. That's great. Tithe your time. Phenomenal. But don't leave your wealth back in Egypt because as long as you do that, you'll be caught and contained by the Egyptian economy and be totally subject to the economy of this world. But if you'll make a decision today, I'm going to look to God by putting my first fruit before Him, by sacrificing a seed towards... I'm, 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 you give to this ministry or not, it doesn't bother me. I'm just telling you, serve God with your wealth. This is not me trying to plead for an offering today. This is me trying to instruct you that if the devil can keep your money separate from spirituality, that you, know, you have to understand your tithes and your offerings are a spiritual transaction. It's not just a financial transaction. It's a spiritual transaction. And it's New Testament too. Because Jesus said in Matthew 23, 23, you Pharisees, you tithe of mint, cumin, and spices, but you have neglected the weightier matters of the law. But Jesus finished off that statement by saying, these you ought to have done without neglecting love, justice, and equity. So he said, you should tithe. He didn't say, you, should, you know, you guys are tithing, but it doesn't really matter in this new, you know, I came to abolish the law. No, he said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. And tithing and offering is pre-Moses. Pre so people that say, well, that's Old Testament. You know, that's what God told Moses. that the It's pre-Old pre Testament. It's pre-Mosaic uh, covenant. Abraham tithed everything he owned to Melchizedek, which was a type and shadow of Jesus Christ. And we, as the Bible says, if you are children of Abraham, you will do the works of Abraham. So your tithe is a spiritual transaction that when, just like Abraham tithed of his best, just like Abel gave of his best, he secured covenant relationship with God. And so even in Isaac's day, when there was a famine, because he secured covenant relationship with God, when he sowed in the famine, his seed multiplied. Even when the Philistines were sowing and nothing multiplied, they were wasting seed. Isaac sowed in the midst of the famine and in that very same year reaped a hundredfold. You look to God because your provision is with God. I, I mean, I could tell you testimony after testimony of me sowing a seed. And that's really, when you're sowing a seed, that's you looking to God. Me sowing something. When I had no money, I had $10,000 of debt and $18,000 of Bible college bills due by January in uh, 2013 this was. When I had gone saved and I was going to Bible college. $10,000 in the red because of a life of immorality and stuff. And when 
a preacher came and explained this to me. I could have easily have said, what is this? You should be giving to me. Instead, I didn't get hostile towards this message. You know, I, I found everyone who's hostile towards the message of prosperity, they, they're either broke or they listen and read books of people that are multimillionaires writing books on why you shouldn't believe God for financial increase. And that's the truth. Go and look up every net worth of every one of those book writers that write, you know, God doesn't want you blessed and whatnot. Go look at their net worth. They're not worth $5,000. They made a lot of money off you reading about why you should stay poor. And so I sold, I had an iPhone. And I took my iPhone and I sold it. And I gave it, I gave, I, I had sold it for like $350, $300. It was $300. I sold it in that offering. And I said, Lord, you said, I can ask anything that's making my joy deplete. Ask that thing to be removed and you would make my joy complete. So I sold it in faith, believing God to eliminate my debt. Just like that, wo that woman whose husband had just died and she came to Elijah and said, Lord, my servant, uh, my, my, my husband, your servant, the prophet is dead. And now the creditors are coming to take away my house, my children, and they're going to enslave us. Debt is a, it's not a sin to have debt, but it's a crushing weight. What did Elijah say? Well, you should have been better stewards of your money. No. He said, what do you have in your house? Because get breaking out of debt, it's not you trying harder. Debt is, a, is, is part of the curse, man. There was no debt in Eden. What did Elijah say? What do you have in your house? So that. So she began to take the oil she had, and as she poured it out into the vessels that her children kept bringing, the oil kept flowing and flowing, and after a while they had so many, and the oil seized after the last vial, and Elijah said to her, now go and sell the oil, what you have, pay your debt, and you and your sons will live off the rest. God is going to, as you give, God is not only going to deal with your, your debt, He'll give you an overflow like He did for me. $10,000 of debt plus $18,000 of Bible college debt. When I sold that, I was going, that was in November. I was going to Bible college in January, two months later. By the time I was in Bible college, I had received, not by me, like I wasn't a preacher, I wasn't going around traveling, I, had no, I didn't know anybody. Not me writing up letters and putting them in envelopes and just distributing them at church. Hey, could you please? You see how the, the viewership goes down when we talk about money? Because people, people don't, well, you know, I have a stable job. What if your job crashes? What if your job, you know, this economy is not stable. People don't care. Well, I have enough for me. You know, we, we've been blessed through it all. You selfish person. What about others? There was a, a woman, one of, my, one of my friends was preaching in Jamaica. And that night he preached on Jehovah Jireh. And that you to call out his name and God will provide for you. And as you give and stuff, God will provide for you. What ends up happening? She does that in faith. The, she, she had no money to make rent. She had a bunch of debt and uh, she had a daughter. And so she, she does that in faith. The very next day when her, her uh, landlord came to collect the money, which she was already back on rent like three or four months. He came, knocked on the door, and f like looked at her, and in one look, he said, hold on, 
He went into his car, went to a grocery store. They had no money. They had no food in their fridge. And she kept saying, you remember how we prayed to Jehovah last night? Jehovah Jireh? Well, just believe God. We're going to have food in our fridge. So the landlord goes back to a grocery store, buys a bunch of food, comes back to the house, gives it to her, and then annuls the debt that she owed. And she goes back that night and tells the preacher friend I have and say, hey, listen, last night when I did that, you, you, you won't believe what happened to me today. My landlord came, not only forgave me of the debt, he went and filled my fridge with all kinds of food. And I don't have any debt and now my kids can eat. And then he said, I'll never forget what she said next. She turned to her daughter standing next to her and said, do you see how God provided for us? Now mommy doesn't have to go and sell her body so we can, have, we can make ends meet this month. You see how that, what that does? Poverty unleashes wickedness, further on wickedness, further wickedness. But when God, you step into God's economy, you don't have to serve the devil. You can start serving God with your money and live free from the burden of financial poverty. And number five, why you should look to God, salvation belongs to the Lord. Your eternity is with God. I'll finish the rest of the message another time. I'm going to finish here. Your salvation belongs to the Lord. The Bible says, look unto me, all ye ends of the earth, and be ye saved. You can't get saved outside of God. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. Numbers 21. When they had complained, the children of Israel, fiery serpents came and bit the children of God. And Moses received prophetic instructions as to how to break them free from the curse of those fiery serpents. He said, take a wooden pole and fashion a brazen serpent on it, which represented the curse of sin and the curse of disease and sickness and poverty and lack. And he said, now lift that serpent up and it shall be that everyone who looks to the serpent will live. Jesus said in John 3, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so shall I, the Son of Man, be lifted up. For the Son of Man was not sent on earth to destroy man's life, but to save lives, the lives of men. The Bible says the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Paul said that I was the chief of sinners. But God saved me as I looked to Him. No matter how bad you think you are, stop looking at the depravity within. Yes, see that you're depraved. Yes, see that you're, without God, you're a wretched human being and on your way to hell. See the sin that's corroded and, and poisoned your life. But then set your gaze on Christ like that thief at the cross. There were two thieves besides Jesus. And one began to mock Jesus. Hey, if, you're, if all that they say about you is true, why don't you save you and save me too? He had no remorse for what he had done. He had no repentance. He just wanted to benefit on God's help without giving his life to Christ. And then there was another thief that looked at him and said, Don't you fear God even when you're faced with death? And he looked to Jesus and said, Lord, remember me today. I know what I've done. But there's something about your look that you carry mercy. The loving kindness of the Lord. The mercies of the Lord. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies are new every morning. You have to look to God today because like that thief on the cross, 
Jesus had no business on that cross because of anything he had done. But no greater love has anyone than this, than he should lay down his life for his friends. That thief on that cross deserved the judgment of that cross. We deserve wrath and destitute and, 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 and torment and hell. But God made a way where there was no way. So like that thief on the cross, we don't have to stay hanging anymore, but we could say, Lord, remember me. And when God remembers you, what did Jesus say? This very day, you will stand with me in the kingdom of God. You will be with me in paradise. You don't have to wonder if you're in the right relationship with God today. You don't have to scratch your head and say, man, I sure do hope I'll make heaven. You can make sure that heaven is your home today. Hell is by default. When you were born, the Bible says, I was conceived in sin and hell is default. Nobody goes to heaven by accident. Everybody is, is on, a, the Bible says, a broad way that leads to hell and destruction. Heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. And I want to ask you today, are you prepared? Are you ready with what's going on in the world? You can either look at the disasters, the rioting, the protests, the increase of wickedness and lawlessness and get discouraged by it. Or you can look to God and say, Lord, not only save me today, but put your spirit in me the same way you did for Peter, the same way you did for Paul, that when he went to Athens and saw the disaster and the, the city giving over to idols, Lord, put something in me to not complain about the current climate of this world, but to do something about it, to be a revivalist on the earth, to bring, to be not someone who prays for revival only, but who carries revival. God, as you look to God today, the Bible says you and your household will be saved. You know, you can make a decision today that doesn't just affect you. The Bible says that choose ye this day whom you shall serve. If you'll ser serve God, you and your descendants will live. There's a spiritual shift that happens when you turn yourself over to God. I told the story when I was preaching this week and there's a man of God I know. Oh, my mentor in the faith, his name's Tiff Shuttlesworth. His father was a coal miner in West Virginia. Didn't care for God, had no desire for God. Was, a, was a, a, an evil man, just like a sinful man. And he was invited. He had saw a, uh, seen a girl that he liked, looked like what she looked like, and he wanted to go after her. And so she was a Christian, and she went into a, a tent one night where there was an evangelist preaching. And so he followed after her, but he sat in the back. And he was just going to sit through it and then, you know, go and approach her afterwards and ask her out and whatnot. And the tent evangelist that day gave a plea to, to call people to Christ. But he didn't, he didn't budge, he didn't move. But back in the old days, tent evangelists were like, you know, not like today. If there's anyone here that doesn't want to do life alone, we're going to conclude the service, but the altars are open, you can come. Just like no, no urgency to get people saved. Well, we're going to leave the altars open. We'll leave the altars open and you can just come and, you know, just pray. And there'll be someone here to lay their hand on you. No urgency to get people saved. Just like, oh, you know, just dead, dead religion. Well, that man went and got him at the back. And had he not, the rest of the story wouldn't have been told. He went and got him, grabbed him by the hand. And he's the uh, A.E. Shuttlesworth, Tiff Shuttlesworth's father said, I balled up my fist to punch him because he was an angry man. 
And he said, when I tried to, I was frozen. And I knew that that was God. So he, he went to the altar, gave his life to the Lord. Lord impacted him, totally changed his heart. Like Liz just wrote, he created in him a new, a clean heart and renewed a steadfast love in him. He got saved. Well, that impacted generations after him because all four of his children, Tiff, Ted, Terry, and Tim, all four of them serve the Lord full-time in the ministry now. A.E., the father... Served the Lord till, you know, for 60-something years in the ministry, preaching. And then all, not only did his children, all of his grandchildren, so his children's children, are all in the ministry or either training to be in the ministry. And that, my friend, is a legacy and a heritage that you can have for your family. But it takes you, the first one to do it. You, you might live in a family of atheists, People that hate God. And you've joined in in their mockings. But today God seized your heart. Captivated you. And the conviction of God come on you. Well look to God today. And the Bible says when you look. He said God so loved the world. That whosoever will look unto him. Believe on him will not perish. But have everlasting life. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus. And you'd like to do so. I want you to pray this prayer with me from the bottom of your heart. As you do this, this is you taking a step to look to God. And God will save you, deliver you, and set you free once and for all. Pray this with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I present myself to you. Forgive me of my sin. I turn from my old life. Create in me a new heart. Take out the heart of stone and place in me a heart of flesh willing to walk the way of your commandments. I give my life to you. I turn myself over to you. Do what you want done in me. All things pass away. From today, a new creation emerges. Heaven is now my home. God is now my father. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. If that was you and you prayed that prayer i want you to get in touch with me by going to salvationnow.ca and the first link that pops up is i just got saved click it fill it out get it to me i want to help you out today send you some literature free of charge we pay shipping handling i just want to help you for everyone else that's watching right now i want you if you can lift your hands wherever you're at and i'm going to pray for you father in the name of jesus i pray for everyone that's struggling financially today that you have called yourself El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. I pray as they commit themselves to you, even in the area of finances, I pray, Lord, let their hands and storehouses be blessed from today onward. Like that widow of Zarephath, do a miracle for them that not only are their needs supplied, but that they would carry overflow. To meet the needs of others. That they wouldn't have some beggarly, me, me, me mentality. But Lord, that as you put more than enough in their hands. El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. As you, not just, like that. You didn't just give enough food for the 5,000 to be fed. But you did it so that there were baskets leftovers. 12 baskets left over of the fragments that remain. I pray do so for them. 
In Jesus' name, those that are looking unto you in the area of their health, I curse the work of sickness in your body. In Jesus' name, be healed from the head, top of your head to the soles of your feet. I pray the fire of God would burn out every worrying symptom in your body right now. In Jesus' name, for those that are looking unto you for the salvation of loved ones, I pray, Father, minister to their loved ones. Those that have rejected the truth, let the blinders of the enemy be shattered and removed, that they would see the glorious light of your salvation from today. That the next time they hear the gospel, that it wouldn't fall on deaf ears or hardened hearts, but that it would be an implanted seed that would produce the salvation of their soul in Jesus' mighty name. And for everyone else, believe in you for a miracle breakthrough in whatever area or realm that they're, they're believing you for. Lord, as they look to you, let your arm reach in to the deepest pit that they find themselves in today. That just like that gathering demoniac, they'd be able to say, see what great things the Lord has done for me. Give them miracle testimonies. That the devil wouldn't get a say in what happens to them in life. But Lord, your word would prevail. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. That your word and your report concerning their area of need would prevail. In Jesus name. That their best days would not be behind, but ahead of them as they serve you. That they would reach forward to the things which are ahead. Good things, for every good and perfect gift comes down from above. The Father of lights with whom there's no shifting shadow or variant of change. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to give today, you know, after I talked about giving, it'd be a good broadcast to sow a seed on. And sow it in faith, like that widow of, of Zarephath. She sowed in faith, believing God to give her a breakthrough in the area of her finances. This is, why do you think the devil rises up? I'm not, I'm not saying there hasn't been people that abuse the message of prosperity. They come on in their lime green suits at 3 a.m. And if you'll give $316, John 3.16, God will save you and your family. Bull. That's, that's not true. Simon Peter tried to pay for the Holy Ghost. And, I mean, um, Simon the sorcerer tried to pay Peter for the Holy Ghost. And Peter looked at him and said, May your silver and wealth perish with you. And pray to God that, you could, that he'll forgive you of this, thy wickedness. For I perceive that your heart is not right in the sight of God. You can't pay God. You can't pay off God. You're not bribing God to help you. But there is a system God has set up in the area of finances that when you give, Jesus said, it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, falling into your lap. So give in faith today. Honor the Lord with the first fruit of your substance and with everything that he's put in your lap. And God said in Proverbs 3, see if I will not overflow your vats with new wine and fill your barns with plenty. God told them in Malachi, he rebuked them because they withheld the offering in the tithe. And he said, bring in the full tithe and the offering into my storehouse. And he didn't just get mad at them for robbing. He then gave them a solution. If you'll do this, I'll, I'll forget whatever you did. 
And I'll open up to you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing so much so. You won't have enough room to take it all in. That's a good problem to have. Some of you are facing a problem. I don't have any, I don't have any, I don't have any, anything to meet my bills. I'm behind on rent, whatever. Well, God can put a new problem in you where it's you have so much so you don't have enough room to take it all in. There was a guy, Enoch had a boy, was so poor, people, poor people called him poor. 18 years old, had to borrow shoes for his graduation ceremony. And when he entered into covenant in giving with God, when they collect an offering at his church now, they have to close, he has a church, a, a very big church in Nigeria. They have to close the local bank to count the offerings for, the, for like several days after that. Just to count the offerings that come in. I mean, he went from someone who, who had nothing to now he's got more than enough. And he doesn't, he's not going around asking people, uh, you know, to lend, to borrow from people. He lends to nations, just like the Bible said you can have. He lends to the nation of Israel. He buys them buses. He buys, he actually is a help to full nations. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. You can give by going to salvationnow.ca slash give. And you can give via PayPal there. And you can also come on board as a monthly partnership. We've had like many people the last month come on board for a monthly partnership. And I want to thank everyone that stood with us in that. Because your time, your finances. This weekend we had dozens of people saved. 20, at least 20 people I counted that were saved in, in the church we were just at. And uh, we're set out. In October, we're going to Saskatchewan, Swift Current, and then Meadow Lake, and then we're organizing two. We're going to organize some crusades in the First Nation community up in northern Saskatchewan, where we're going to we're going to reach the the unreached people that don't get to hear the gospel very often. And so you can tie yourself financially in that, and uh, make your wealth count on the earth. Store up riches in heaven, where moth does not destroy and thieves don't come in and break in and steal. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji. Or visit us online, www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you, and until next time.